Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is no way to say this any other way than this. Georgia fans got an absolute punch to the gut yesterday when four-star running back Justice Haynes committed to Alabama. There had been a little bit of internet chatter over the course of the last few days that Haynes might pull the trigger on his decision on Sunday. This is kind of kind of floating out there in the internet a little bit. I had talked to several people who were quite sure that when Haynes eventually did make his decision, whether it had been Sunday or whenever, that Haynes was coming to UGA. Many of you who try to follow the recruiting stuff online – sort of get a whiff of this you know uh not everybody knows insiders but everybody kind of has the 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 sort of the tone of the internet the tenor of the internet and it's pretty obvious that the internet led by supposed plugged in insiders it's pretty obvious that people thought Haynes was going to UGA I can tell you based on private conversations I've had away from the internet there were certainly plenty of people that thought that was going to be Justice Haynes choice and why would it not be guy that hails from the state of Georgia his father Veron Haynes obviously a beloved player in UGA's history more on him in a moment by the way it was just sort of thought that Justice Haynes was going to be a dog And then yesterday, relatively late in the afternoon, Haynes puts out a video of himself committing to Alabama. I'll show you this, and we'll talk a little about it as it plays for you here. But there is plenty of circumstantial evidence to suggest that not only were Georgia fans totally caught off guard by all of this, I think you're sort of left to assume that Georgia itself was kind of caught off by this there too, the the program uh, in, in particular here. Because when you think about the circumstantial evidence, a lot of this just feels a little bit weird. You know, one of the things that we've sort of historically said when it comes to Kirby Smart is Kirby Smart's sort of a master of using the news cycle. Now, listen, you never want bad news, but it seems like when Georgia has gotten some bad news, Kirby Smart's always been really good about following up some bad news with some good news. If you miss out on one commit, hey, go out and get a commit somewhere else. All of a sudden, you've got people talking about this thing now as opposed to that thing. Kirby Smart is just kind of a younger coach, a little bit more media savvy, a little bit more business-like. Kirby just sort of has a little bit of an understanding of how to use the news cycle to your advantage. And it may not be a huge deal, but little things like that when it comes to PR matter a little bit, and Smart's always been pretty good at that. This, however, is kind of the exact opposite, right? Is that Georgia got great news on Saturday. Troy Bowles, the son of a sitting NFL coach, one of the top players in the state of Florida, one of the very best linebackers in the country, one of the 50 best prospects in the entire country, committed to Georgia. And then a day later, no one's talking about that at all because of the surprise decision from Justice Haynes. This is a little bit of an example of, I believe, Georgia getting caught flat-footed or maybe drawn off sides by this just in the standpoint of, this is not typically the way that a news cycle would work for UGA. Normally, Georgia's you know, using the news cycle to its advantage, but this particular case, they kind of get their own good news totally squashed by the news as it relates to, uh, to Justice Haynes there yesterday. And then to kind of couple that with, you know, Georgia cut off guard seemingly, uh, the industry itself, people that are kind of plugged into the story, feeling like Haynes was going to go one way. Uh, you had the Adam Gorney tweet that got a lot of attention yesterday, Gorney being a reporter for Rivals. And not only apparently did Justice Haynes choose Alabama over Georgia, what Gorney says is, and I'll, I'll show you this on the screen here, we'll re- let, let, let you read this, is that uh, Gorney writes on Twitter, a reporter for Rivals, that new Alabama running back commit Justice Haynes told me Ohio State finished second. And Georgia actually finished third in his recruitment. This is very complimentary of all three programs, uh, but that Georgia finishes third. So here we go from having a guy that almost everybody, whether it be casual fan, plugged in inside or whatever else, almost everybody thought was going to Georgia to when it actually goes down, he says, well, no, Georgia actually finished third for me. So I don't think you have to be like some sort of internet detective here to kind of assume well, there must be something going on here that this almost seems like a rejection of Georgia more so than an acceptance of Alabama, just on the basis that Georgia kind of goes from being the school that everybody thought he was going there to actually finishing third. Did something go down between uh, between Haynes and, and Georgia 
for this to be the case. And this is where here in this like sort of 2023 cycle that we live in, NIL world that we live in, summer of 2022, everyone sort of assumes, well, it must just be NIL. That Georgia, which is not admittedly by anyone's estimation at the forefront of the NIL discussion right now, that Georgia must have obviously just lost Haynes due to NIL, and that just must be the reason that he's gone somewhere else. And listen, I don't have anything to to confirm that. I don't necessarily have anything to refute that. But let's talk out loud about this for a minute. When a four-star running back like this doesn't come to Georgia the way that everyone was expecting him to, when he does go to Alabama uh, in a sort of a surprising fashion, let's use the circumstantial evidence that we have at our disposal to suggest how true that really is. People will say, well, the first piece of evidence here is we know that Georgia's not as aggressive from an NIL standpoint as other places are. And you can you can certainly point to that and have plenty of reason to believe that's true. But conversely, Alabama has not really been that either. And the same way that you know, a lot of Georgia fans complain about NIL, I mean, Nick Saban himself has been very vocal in complaining about NIL. And People are going to say, well, well, that whole deal that he did earlier this summer when he complained about Jimbo Fisher, that fired up his boosters, and they went out and they essentially bought Justice Haynes. I mean, maybe that's the case, but a lot of time you see recruiting kind of move in waves, That especially in this NIL age. You know, last year for Texas A&M, it all kind of moved in waves. For Miami this year, it all kind of moves in waves. That there's this stretch where A&M last year just sort of got every player that it wanted. And Miami, for a little while here, as seemingly in this class of 2023, kind of gotten every player that it wanted. Texas has been a little bit of a version of that here for this cycle. To a certain extent, Louisville's even been uh, a smaller version of all of that. The recruiting is kind of moving in waves. For Alabama, yes, they've won with Justice Haynes, and maybe this is the one player they just wanted to put their whole budget on in terms of getting here for this class. But in terms of a lot of other prospects, high-profile offensive linemen, for instance, Alabama actually hasn't won with a lot of those guys here right now. So this notion that that NIL alone uh, explains why Haynes is going to Alabama instead of Georgia, where is the evidence of that when it comes to Alabama and other recruits here in this 2023 class? I'm not quite so sure that I see that. It is certainly true that Georgia is not as aggressive on the forefront with NIL as other programs are, but I don't know there's any evidence that Alabama has been more aggressive than that. So therefore, I'm not quite so sure I fully buy the idea that NIL alone explains why Haynes is going to Alabama instead of Georgia. Here's the other thing I can tell you there as well is I know for a fact, because I've heard from the boosters who've told me this, in that in private settings and some of these meetings and get togethers where boosters are there and Kirby Smart stops by the sort of glad hand for a moment and say thank you and uh, uh, you know, just sort of pat folks on the back here a little bit. In those private settings, Kirby Smart has certainly encouraged the the Georgia boosters to get involved in the NIL process here. The idea that Smart's, you know, not embracing NIL culture, based on what boosters have told me that Smart has said to them in sort of small public settings, uh, Smart is clearly encouraging UGA folks to get involved in the NIL stuff. So this idea that, well, Georgia's going to keep losing players because it doesn't respect the NIL world and we're currently living, that's not what boosters are saying are going on. But here's just the reality is folks can only spend what they got. And we're just kind of in a little bit different economic climate than we were when like the McGill Society was first building the West End Zone Project and things like that. That, you know, there aren't these like magic monopoly men out there who just have stacks and stacks and stacks of bills who are going to go out there and buy every recruit that's out there. You know, this idea that, that, that you know, there, there's this sort of magic uh, uh, segment of donors that as soon as they turn on the spigot of money that all of a sudden George is going to start getting every play that wants if that's what you're holding out hope for I don't know that's just going to happen I just, I just don't know that, it, that it's going to I don't I'm not quite so sure those people exist and when Georgia doesn't get a commit that all of us expect to get I'm not comfortable blaming fans for that because even if we're talking about boosters here they're still Georgia fans I'm not comfortable blaming the fans. Well, if so-and-so would just sort of dig deep in his wallet, Georgia had a better chance at Justice Haynes. I mean, the responsibility for the program still rests with the coaches and the administrators who hire them. The responsibility for the Georgia program does not rest with so-and-so booster any more than it rests with so-and-so booster for other programs there as well. I'm just not quite so comfortable. I'm I'm comfortable blaming folks outside the program, boosters, fans, whatever else, when uh, a player does not end up coming to UGA. That's just a, a little bit of an uncomfortable 
uh, conversation for me. But nonetheless, that's what's out there. And it certainly seems like something went down with Justice Haynes. NIL seems like a reasonable thing to conclude in the day and age in which we live. But I think there's still a lot of that that's too unknowable to sort of say emphatically, but we'll wait and see what comes out about that in uh, coming days. And we'll wait to see what people can even be forthright about, just given all of the seem like intentional disinformation that spewed at a constant rate when it comes to the ongoing NIL conversation. Now, as you know, what makes the Haynes discussion even more, I guess, potent for a lot of Georgia fans is the fact that his dad is Veron Haynes, the uh, really beloved former dog because of his role in one of the great plays in Georgia football history, the hobnail boot touchdown, the great call by Larry Munson that won the Tennessee game on the road in 2001. We've had Veron Haynes on this show many times. I love talking to Veron about the hobnail boot. Frankly, I like Veron Haynes a lot. Uh, I love talking to him about Hobnail Boot because he's really good at telling the story. He's just gotten anything you do over the course of a long period of time, you get good at. And Haynes has told that story so many times. He's got the beats of the story down perfectly. He just, I think, has really enjoyed his role as a beloved former Bulldog, as you would expect anybody else would. He had a tweet yesterday on the heels of his son going to Alabama that's gotten a lot of attention. I'll show this to you on the screen. It's the words that he uses at the end that folks notice here is, He says of his own son, every man has their path to walk, and I'm proud of you for choosing yours. I know the process may have been long and difficult, but at the end, I'm confident you made the best decision for you. Here's to your future and all you've become to the next level to be continued, and he gives you a roll tide there at the end. I'm sure he does that sort of half-kiddingly, but it's also his own son. A lot of Georgia fans wish that Haynes wouldn't say the roll tide thing there. Obviously, I don't like hearing that because I wanted Justice Haynes to go to UGA. But I would also assume that Veron Haynes is no different than I am, which is your own kid supersedes your alma mater or your favorite team, or in my case, even my job, that I talk about Georgia football for a living, but nothing's more important to me than my children. And so if my son's going to go play running back at Alabama, you better believe I would say those two horrid, terrible words myself, if that be the case, because I value my own son more than I value anything associated with uh, red and black. So I'm guessing privately, I'm sure Veron probably wishes Justice would have gone to Georgia, uh, but if he's going to go to Alabama, well, he's taking Veron with him in this particular case, so that's a dad doing what sons do there, or I should say doing what they do in terms of uh, supporting their son on all of that. So the whole thing here is just a little bit of a mess. Now, look, I told our video audience this a little earlier. This is one of those things today where it's on the one hand this and on the other hand that. On the one hand this is a setback for UGA. On the other hand, failure is never final. Georgia's going to have its chances to kind of go out there and still win plenty of big-time recruiting battles. More than one thing can be true at once. But I don't think you can sugarcoat this. Georgia took an L yesterday, a recruit that it was basically sure that it was getting, surprisingly, got wrestled away at the very last moment. And Unfortunately, I think some of the things that some Georgia fans are saying to give themselves some comfort in response to all this, what is it, copium? Is that what people say on the internet sometimes? Copium? The copium that folks are trying to take as a response to all of this, I'm not quite so sure some of those arguments hold up quite as well as some UGA fans think. Unfortunately, we have to talk more about that, but first, let me introduce the show and then we'll get to it. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of good stuff uh, with you here today, and happy to have you on board as we do it all. Of course, big thanks to our friends at Palo Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible, and they can equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. It's a very valuable thing right now because, let's face it, that air conditioning is working overdrive. And when that's cranking out, sometimes as expensive as it is, you want to make sure it stays where it's supposed to, right there on the inside of your house. That's what good, well-sealed, good-looking, efficient windows and doors can do for you. The kind of thing the Pella window and door of Georgia provides. They are all about all of that. So make sure you check them out online at PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Also give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. You can talk to one of the Pella experts. They can walk you through all the installation options you have for you, all of the product 
uh, you know, availability and kind of choosing what's perfect for you. You know, if you, you can also stop by and see them right there in their Duluth showroom there as well. It's Monday through uh, Friday from 9 to 5. It's Saturday from 10 to 4. You can kind of put your hands on the product and sort of feel the doors, feel the windows, feel what makes them different and better. It's a recognized brand leader in the Atlanta area for a long time, and you can experience all this for yourself. Plus, big savings coming for you as well. Between now and August 18th, you can get $200 off windows, $400 off doors, or you can get payments as low as $99 a month. Just another reason why Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We're going to get John Stinchcomb here in a moment. And eventually we'll get to the big recruiting win that Georgia got with Troy Bowles, the start of SEC Media Days, uh, a Georgia player actually maybe uh, no longer on the roster. There's plenty more news I want to get to in today's show. But I do think we got to do a little bit more due diligence when it comes to the current situation for Georgia in light of Justice Haynes going to Alabama. Now, here's one of the things that some folks are going to say as a way of kind of disregarding their concern or disregarding any kind of disappointment about not getting Haynes. And we've done plenty of this on this show ourselves here over the course of the uh, you know last couple of weeks. Well, you know, it's only July, B.A., and we've done the what's wrong with UGA recruiting in the summertime before, and everything always turns out to be fine. And that's that's certainly the case, certainly the case. But I would say that a week or so or a week or so ago when we were doing the, hey, don't get too concerned about not getting so-and-so play or whatever else, part of the reason why I had confidence in saying that everything was going to be fine is I was looking ahead to commitments that I was pretty sure George was going to get, and Justice Haynes was one of those, that the notion of, well, Georgia didn't get Haynes, that's okay, it's only July you know, that doesn't carry the weight that it once did because the recruiting process has been greatly accelerated. Maybe it's been accelerated because of NIL, but one way or another, June was the big month for visits. July is the big month for commitments. We're seeing a lot of the stuff that would have happened late fall, early winter, now happening kind of early summer in a way that we've never seen in the past. So if you look at the list of committed players around the country, I think you see a lot more high-profile commitments than you're used to seeing in the month of July. It is still July, but July now in recruiting doesn't necessarily mean what it used to. And when it comes to Georgian, like, say, another running back that's still available for the class of 2023, a guy like Richard Young, the honest facts are is that Georgia's relationship with Justice Haynes has been thought to be far better than it was with Richard Young, that Alabama's actually been thought to be in a really good place for Young, now, maybe the Haynes surprising commitment changes some of that. I guess anything's possible. But, I mean, I think it's important to be real that Haynes' decision to go somewhere else is not the kind of thing that Georgia has an immediate response to, at least right now. They're just going to leave the dog scrambling here just a little bit. And it kind of echoes kind of the thought that a lot of folks have about, well, Georgia's cleaning house defensively. Got Troy Bowles on Saturday, got Raylan Wilson last Sunday, one of the best defensive back classes that's ever been obtained in the previous cycle. Guys like Marvin Jones, Mikael Williams in the previous cycle, maybe Jamal Jarrett on Tuesday, maybe Janelle Aguero next Saturday. That Georgia's getting whatever it wants to get defensively. But where are the offensive recruits? You know, Georgia missed on the only quarterback that it targeted here in this cycle in Arch Manning. Georgia really, the only running back that it seriously has targeted has been Justice Haynes. They just missed on him, at least for now, uh, yesterday. The situation at offensive line is, to be kind, a little unclear right now for the class of 2023. Wide receiver, much the same way. That Unfortunately, some of this kind of unearths that trepidation that some Georgia fans have on the offensive side of the ball. And for me, some of this becomes about running back in particular. And this is where I think you have to be honest here for a moment, that while Georgia still has plenty of depth at the running back position, the position that Haynes would have played for UGA. You know, this is also a position, I think, for Georgia that needs to take the next step on the field here this season. I thought that Georgia's running game a year ago was good, not great. I don't know that Georgia's had a truly great rushing attack since 2018. I think in the, the years since then, 2019 and 2020, and even last year in the national championship season, I think the Georgia rushing attack has been a little bit less than it once was. Now, some of that last year is because Georgia was actually throwing the ball more and throwing the ball better than it had in the past. I mean, some of that's why the, the, the running game was lessened here a, a bit. But in light of kind of missing on the one guy you really targeted here in, in Justice Haynes, I think it puts a little bit of a spotlight on what guys like Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Edwards and to a certain extent freshmen like Branson Robinson what they can do on the field here this season because like the one thing that you don't really see from Georgia 
is some of the big explosive runs, the way that you would have in the DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield era, and certainly the Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb era before that. And in fact, if you want to go back before the start of last season, Smart was asked about that directly. And he didn't deny that had been an issue for UGA. Now, as far as why that's the case, well, uh, Smart has his interpretation. Maybe you have yours. But in light of not getting a running back that Georgia wanted to get, trying to figure out what this position group is on the field right now, I think that's probably pretty appropriate there as well. This is what Smart said going into last season about what suddenly kind of looks like a less explosive Georgia running rushing attack than we've been used to seeing in the past. This was Smart before last year. I don't think our backs are any less talented last year or this year in terms of being able to have explosive runs. Uh, we haven't had as many, and you have to say, okay, well, why is that? And a lot of it has to do with the way people are playing us. Um, how can we make them pay? playing us with extra people and then how can we block their extra people at the second level we've had probably just as many seven eight nine yard yard runs but we haven't had the explosive we've had in the past most people would point to sheer speed of the backs but that that's that's not the case with our guys are you know just as fast now as they were when we had uh the other guys we haven't been as explosive and a lot of that is breaking tackles on the second level and being able to block downfield you know get the second hit so last year, Georgia had 24 rushes of 20 or more yards. You know, go back to uh, 2018, they had 37. So that's an example of Georgia not quite having as many sort of 20-plus yard runs as we're used to seeing them have going back to kind of the early days of the smart when you had that tandem of backs, Elijah Holyfield, DeAndre Swift here in 2018, certainly Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle before that in 2017. That was smart kind of addressing that as a topic before last season. But even in a national championship year, that kind of really only changed so much. Now, the other day, Smart was talking about the running back position. One of the things that Smart said about that then was, hey, when it comes to what the NFL is looking for, it's not just those big rushing plays. It's also how you feature these backs from a, from a pass-catching standpoint. You know, Can you make these running backs weapons in the pass game there as well? So in light of Georgia kind of missing out on certainly someone who hopes to have an NFL future like Justice Haynes, once again, revisiting that there as an idea, too, I think that's kind of worth uh, you know considering there as well, is that you know Georgia needs to make sure it's the kind of place that showcases future NFL talents on the offensive side of the ball. A wide receiver, a quarterback, certainly they're doing that pretty well at tight end, but at running back, too. Now, last year, James Cook probably did that. To a certain extent, Zamir White kind of did that there as well. But remaining a factory for those kinds of players is very important. Here's what Smart said about that just a few weeks ago. In college football, you become a weapon by how you receive the ball out of the backfield. They want to grow at that. They want to be able to um, showcase their talents catching the ball out of the backfield. So the NFL asks about Can you catch the ball out of the backfield? Can you be a third down back? Well, we, we like to grow NFL backs here. So to do that, you got to use them in the passing game. So, and that's what you want to see. You want to see these running backs effectively used in the passing game. But the truth is, last year, Georgia was only sixth in the SEC when it comes to rushing. That's not a place that you came to expect Georgia back-to-back years in 2017, 2018, leading the SEC in rushing. But last year, you know, close to middle of the pack there in the SEC. So, this is all just a very real discussion that has to be had. Georgia missed on a big running back target yesterday. Still got plenty of depth in the program for now. But utilizing those players effectively, those players need to stay healthy, but you need to utilize them effectively there as well. To have a bigger, more impactful, more robust from a statistical standpoint performance here this season so that Georgia's reputation on the offensive side of the ball can be just as impressive as the obvious reputation that it has on defense. A lot of things unpacked in relationship to Justice Haynes making the decision uh, to go to Bama instead of Georgia. And I'm certain this conversation will last a lot longer than just today. That is around the doghouse. It is assisted today by our friends at AAA. I told you the other day I had to use my AAA membership card. Unfortunately, we had a little bit of a issue with my wife while she was driving, and I was very thankful to have that AAA card. We called and got the car towed, and super nice guy came and helped us out with all of that. But that's not the only thing I want you to know when it comes to AAA. I want you to think about them when it comes to uh, auto insurance there as well, because uh, you can get a direct auto insurance quote through AAA and uh, get big savings. Check out the website, AAA.com slash auto insurance for more than that. Uh, more on that, it's AAA.com slash auto insurance. Uh, you can also give them a call, 833-718-2075. It's 833-718-2075. And get a big time uh 
uh, auto insurance quote and have a chance to get big savings when it comes to auto insurance through AAA. You can also check out the site for uh, terms and conditions and all of that, but we're happy to have AAA delivering uh, and helping us with Around the Doghouse here today. All right, so we got a lot to do. Uh, Georgia did get a big win in recruiting on Saturday with Troy Bowles, son of an NFL coach. SEC Media Day is getting going here today and a little bit more on kind of what comes next for Georgia at running back on the offensive side of the ball and in the aftermath of losing a legacy uh, recruit to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's do all of that with John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I'll uh, say hello to John Stinchcomb here, uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. And, John, there's obviously a lot going on with UGA that's really good and certainly very excited about Georgia and kind of where it stands to start the upcoming season. But sometimes you just sort of take an L. And Georgia took a big loss yesterday in recruiting when Justice Haynes, a guy that I think a lot of us who follow this stuff pretty closely, we were quite sure that Haynes was coming to Georgia at the last minute, at least seemingly at the last minute, he made a shocking decision to go to to Alabama. I want to ask you specifically about what this means for Georgia on the offensive side of the ball. But as we kind of get into that, just kind of what's your initial thought on, I know you know Veron very well, uh, your initial thought on the son of a beloved Georgia player ended up ending up playing for the hated Crimson Tide. Uh, not a good day, at least for right now, right? Well, uh, first, uh, I want to congratulate Justin. I mean, it's for a former teammate to have a, a son that gets an opportunity to go play able to pick and choose whichever university he wants to um i'm happy for him i'm happy that he had that opportunity I'm happy for their family as a georgia fan it stings i mean it's it's tough to lose out on a player of his caliber and you know I, i'd love for uh, all the former teammates and their offspring that want to be a part of the university of georgia and be given that opportunity i want them to take advantage of it and um be able to continue that legacy but I also appreciate that some folks want to make their own path and uh, see other opportunities that might be better fitting for them. So I get it. I get it for justice that uh, he sees a better opportunity for him to kind of create and craft in his own space without um, any second generation expectations. Um, and there's, I'm sure there's more to it, more to that decision. I, I haven't, spoken with justice ever about what this recruiting process looks like now more importantly for georgia uh it's another big uh, national attention getting recruiting loss and you know if you're looking at the two big offensive recruits for georgia this year and arch manning and justice haynes and and losing out on both of those it's got a lot of sting to it i think we can kind of comfort ourselves and with uh, the number of wins that we've gotten a number of linebackers and head football coach sons that we've been able to recruit as well as uh some tight ends that that are pretty exciting including a legacy of their own with loss and lucky so yeah um it, it's one of those things where you look at this recruiting process and when you recruit at the level that georgia has under this kirby smart era we are going to get some really big wins, but when you swing for the fences, you're not going to hit them all out of the park. And this is one that has a little more bite to it because he's a he's a legacy and, and a name and a, and a position group that uh, Georgia has been so strong. And um, it, it's got a little more bite to it than some of the other losses in recruiting that we've taken in years past. So I'm a big believer that in no situation in life, football included, is there. there's no free lunch, right? That everything comes with a set of negative consequences. There's side effects essentially to everything. So Georgia plays the game a certain way, and it is clearly a recipe for a national championship because Georgia won the national championship. And one of the things that it does is it plays complementary football. It has a defense that sets up the offense in good field position. It has an offense that doesn't run a million plays. Therefore, you're not putting undue tax on your defense. That's a recipe for Georgia that's won a national championship. But there are consequences and side effects to everything. And it seems like for Georgia, one of the side effects or the consequences to what I just described is an offense that's just not quite as sexy seemingly as the offense that's played other places. Now, I think the actual stats speak to a pretty dominant Georgia offense a year ago but the fact of the matter is perception probably matters more than reality does and the perception of the Georgia offense 
at least on the part of the constituency that matters the most, the elite recruits, seems to be just a little bit tepid. And it's hurt Georgia, maybe a quarterback. It's certainly hurt Georgia wide receiver. And I'm left to assume that maybe it's now kind of hurting Georgia at the running back spot a bit here as well. As I mentioned to our audience before you join us, dogs were just sixth in the SEC in rushing last year. That's even lower in that aspect of offense than you might expect for a program that thinks of itself as RBU. John, you know, you're not a recruiting guy necessarily. You're not a recruiting reporter, certainly, but you obviously pay very close attention watching the game on the field. Do you think there is a negative perception out there of the Georgia offense? And do you think that perception hurts UGA when it's going for players like Justice Haynes? Uh, well, I think the number one recruiter will always be winning. And I think Georgia has certainly checked that box. People want to uh, be a part of a winner and feel like that will provide opportunities for them to play at the next level. And I think this past year's draft class is case in point for that. Now, if you're looking for individual stats, uh, I don't think we have to go too far back in the annals of Georgia football to see that this is a team-based system. And it's complementary both offensive and defensively, but also position group-wise and aerial and rushing attack and and that has bred some success. And by some success, I mean we're the holders of the current national championship right. trophy. Right. So those are all very, very positive strengths. Now, if I'm recruiting against Georgia, you better believe that I'm going to point out that, you know, if I'm the number one quarterback, we are not – we are – Georgia is a balanced offense. That's a great thing for us. And, and – um, maybe that's something that I would use against us in whether I'm recruiting quarterbacks or wide receivers or running backs that look in the deployment of our players because they are so talented, because we aren't restricted in my mind to just one or two key players. It allows for a better performance. Now, uh, could that possibly hurt recruiting? Yeah, I, I can see that. With that said, I would also point to the Channing Tindalls and Clay Walkers and uh, James Cooks that have had their role and, and earned their way into more significant roles and then still be able to find success. One of the knocks on uh, a certain program that's just to the west of us when talking with uh, NFL recruiters or NFL scouts uh, is that there's a lot more wear and tear on their bodies and Maybe that's because they're the primary and there's less rotation going through uh, at specific position groups. So you, you might not have as much wear if you come and be a part of a system like Georgia where you know it's competitive and the expectations are high, but also it's, it's a shared burden. So maybe that's uh, the other side of the coin, if you will, in this recruiting battle is, you know, sure, it might not – lead to the individual accolades that some of the you know commenters in the bottom section i don't know if we'll ever get a Heisman trophy winner i i i care more about national championship trophies than individual uh identifying trophies and and awards at the end of the season and i think there's a, a lot of appeal there for for your top end players to be a part of one a winner and two if I, you know, I see it almost as a strength. If I can express to a player, you're going to get the opportunity, you're going to get the training, you're going to become a better player and, and, and be prepared for this next level and do so in a way that can extend your career when you're getting paid at, at the next level in the NFL. I think that's just as appealing as an opportunity to be, uh, you know, the feature uh, of an offense that may put more burden on you in the short term and and theoretically shorten your career in the back end because of the wear and tear you take so let me do kind of one more thing on this topic and then i want to shift gears and talk about a couple other things here for a moment that i think your perspective is going to be really valuable on i think there is something for georgia that's hiding in plain sight and we've talked about this plenty i know that to some people this sort of seems like it's kind of an emotional response to georgia not getting a running back but this is not a johnny come lately topic for us is that i think very quietly the thing that that Georgia's had going on the offense side of the ball that I think needs improvement is the rushing game more so than the passing game. For everything that people talk about, you know, Georgia getting a great quarterback and having, you know, explosive passing offense, things like that. The truth is, John, last year Georgia had 145 passing plays of 10 or more yards. 
but only had 88 rushing plays of 10 or more yards. That The kind of explosive runs that came to, to sort of define the Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle era, and even like the Elijah Holyfield, DeAndre Swift era, that's just not really kind of what Georgia has been the last couple of years. And maybe that's because Georgia's running a different offense now and the wide receivers playing in a different kind of offense. Maybe they're just not blocking the second level like they used to. I mean, it, it could be anything. I am not smart enough to prescribe uh, why the the issue, you know, sort of is what it is. But I think for Georgia this season, the opportunity to be much better in the running game is really one of the areas which I think this team could take a big step forward. And I also believe with Milton and McIntosh and Dejon Edwards and maybe even a little bit of a freshman contribution from Brandon Robinson, that Georgia could very well do it. And I think the offensive line playing better could help with that. But I think that, John, for a couple of years now, pretty quietly, Georgia has only been good and not great when it's coming to its rushing attack. Do you agree with that? Yeah, man, I think there's more opportunity for big plays. I would agree with that statement. I, I think you look at, at the way James Cook was used, and he had a number of explosive plays. It just didn't come with the ball being pitched from the quarterback. It usually came over the top with throws. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't go down as a rushing statistic as, or big play, but it certainly is a big play for our running back. And, I think that's part of the equation. I also would say that when you look at big plays, big running plays, it's less about the offensive line and more about two specific areas, and, and one that's blocking on the secondary, except wide receivers and our tight ends, and then broken tackles. I take a look at most of the big plays um, across the board in the run game from other teams, and you'll see those two areas stick out. That Yes, of course, the offensive line has to put a hat on a hat. That's five guys. But then you look at, at where the big plays come and usually see a wide receiver that's pried open a hole on the edge or a running back who's made a safety miss in the hole and you see nothing but green grass behind them. So as an offensive line guy, maybe I'm a little bit protective of that group, but I think it's more about those two specific things when you look back and you go back and look at the the how big plays come in the run game and with that said I, I think we've got a running back group that if they can stay healthy they certainly have that ability I, I like all the three guys not having seen Branson Robinson come uh or make plays at this level I've seen some of this high school film but both the KM brothers and and Dejon Edwards I mean both all three of those guys are capable of you know, accelerating past defenders and, and making them miss and breaking tackles in the hole, specifically with Edwards. So uh, the talent is there, and it's just about finding those opportunities and making sure those opportunities are present for these guys to make the plays uh, to, to kind of improve in that statistic category all right let me shift gears on something else here for a moment i want to ask you this question as a proud georgia alumnus but also as a businessman too there are a lot of people who are going to say well you know justice haynes is going to alabama because of nil georgia's just not aggressive enough in the nil space now we don't know what's true on this and what's not we don't know anything about the nil world or what's actual reality and what's just sort of assumption on the internet but i do want to ask you about the georgia side of this from an nil standpoint for a lot of business people who are entering into a pretty uncertain economic climate, um, I mean, like, how involved do you expect Georgia to be able to be in NIL? And do you think it's true that UGA really is at a disadvantage compared to the sort of teams we see dominating, Texas, Texas A&M last year, Miami right now? Is Georgia at a financial disadvantage in the NIL space when it comes to these other programs? Well, I would throw Tennessee into that upper tier yeah. of uh, NIL contingents that are willing to throw millions. Of, I've been blown away, D.A., candidly. Knowing that there was opportunity to influence recruiting, I had no idea that it would be to this point nationwide where individuals and companies are willing to put that much money towards uh, recruitment, and uh, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that it's far exceeded any of what uh, realistic expectations might have told us pre-NIL. With that said, we are where we are, and there are teams that have uh, backing that is uh, at next level, and then 
you know, I think Georgia's got a good contingent of, of folks that are – you can't even say that, can you? Or you probably shouldn't. I'm sure the NCAA don't want to say you're paying for players, but that's what it is. Let's mm-hmm. call it what it is. They're paying for players. And uh, I think Georgia is, is not quite at that same level as some of these other universities that have – you know, billion-dollar donors. We've got great donors. You look at the McGill Society, you look at the plans for um, what the next five years holds for the athletic department and what the ask is and the continued growth. Dog Nation is very supportive of the athletic department. With that said, there are places, Miami, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Texas, where the, the pockets run so deep that they're willing and able to extend well past uh, other programs, and, and I think Georgia's included in that. Here's what my concern would be, and I'll, I'll just do this really quickly because I, I want to be respectful of your time. It's like you mentioned the McGill Society. If I give to the McGill Society, John, I get something for that. I get access to better tickets than I would otherwise get. I mean, that's mainly the reason that people give to the McGill Society. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they want better access to away tickets. They get a chance to come watch practice during the summertime. There is an incentive to participate in the old school traditional fundraising. You just get more access to the program. John, it's not obvious to me what you get for giving to NIL. Now, if you're John Ruiz and you're giving allegedly millions where you become famous but the average person giving like a five-figure sum of money that person i'm not quite so sure what they get for giving to nil the same way they have historically been incentivized to give to the program and so if that's what the future is then i don't know how you get people to open up their wallet when they're not getting anything back for it because i mean i i don't i mean i just don't really quite know how that's going to if that's what the future is then maybe Georgia just is doomed because I know a lot of uh, actually fairly well-paid pe- people who don't have any extra money to give right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I certainly think with the uh, economic forecast that things might change in a significant way for many, many involved in the NIL sphere. Uh, but with that said, uh, I think there's the opportunity through NIL to directly influence your team's ability to have success. So if I'm at a team, if I'm a, a supporter of a team that's been struggling, rather than paying towards facilities and, and having a nicer locker room, if I can directly influence whether or not we get a four or five star player to come and be a part of my team, I think there's probably those supporters can see that as a direct opportunity to improve my chances of bragging rights. Yeah. If, if I'm going to be a supporter of this team and they, they're they not playing at my level, or desired level, then w- this NIL has provided an opportunity to directly influence that. And with football, you're talking about 85 guys on scholarship, but you know there, it's, NIL is not restricted to just football. I'm thinking about men's basketball where if I can put together two or three really good players, then I've totally changed the trajectory of my school's program and their prowess. So I think that's the draw for NIL and being able to directly impact the, the overall team performance in ways that um, it's a little more straight line and not as much uh, indirect influence. And maybe that comes at the cost of direct benefit with, you know, the, the access and packages that are available from the various uh, donor groups like the McGill Society at Georgia. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's this, this new marketplace where I can directly affect who stays, who comes, and who goes. Let me uh, do one very quick final thing with you, and I apologize for uh, taking so much of your time, but um, – what does it mean to you when a respected figure like Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, sends his son, Troy Bowles, one of the top players in the entire country, to come play linebacker at UGA? You want to be the kind of factory for future NFL guys. You want the validation of the NFL that you do that. Certainly, Georgia got plenty of that around the NFL draft. And now the next step of that is an NFL coach saying, I trust this program with my own son. I mean, listen, I think Troy Bowles is a good player in his own right. 
but the echo for what this could mean for other families who are trying to make the best decision they can possibly make, it seems like this Troy Bowles decision has the potential for plenty of reverberations throughout future decisions there as well. As a guy who knows college and the NFL because you played in both leagues, what does it mean for you when an NFL coach sends his son to UGA? Well, it's affirmation, affirmation that our program is where we think it is. And uh, not only as a national contender, but also as a player development factory that at one time, I think one of the stigmas with Georgia is we were able to get really good players, but the ability to progress them probably wasn't at the same level as some other programs. And that's no longer the case. And when you get, um, NFL coaches and their offspring to, to sign up and become part of your program, I think it's confirmation that they they see what we see. And that's not only is Georgia a great program in winning championships, but they're moving the needle on the number of players' development. And um, the case after case of guys that have come in as, as highly sought-after uh, players and, and very successful at the high school ranks and only getting better. I, I, that's what coaches are looking for. And no different from players they're recruiting and the players that they, uh, that they have to feed and house and board as their own, uh, when, when they're their own kids. So I think it's affirmation for Georgia fans that this program continues to be um at the highest level and in developing players and putting together winning performances and, and more than that creating a culture and identity as a program uh of somewhere that you want to be a part of um, that's going to look after the best interest of your kids and and get them to where they want to go and assist in that process so uh it's huge i think another big pickup as a player but also sends a statement that um, the entire program is at a level and, and has an eye on all the most important aspects of uh, the development of student-athletes. John, your insight's always valuable to us, invaluable, really. Uh, we just appreciate your perspective on all things related to UGA. Uh, certainly glad to have you as part of the program today, and we will look forward to chatting with you again very soon. And as we have these weekly conversations, we get closer and closer and closer to the start of the upcoming season so uh we're happy to be able to mark off another week with you here and get all that much closer to seeing george go out there and try to defend that national championship so john great to have you with us and uh look forward to talking to you again soon always a good time ba go dog thank you sir let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through all right let me just do one thing really quickly on some of what john was saying there then we got to move on including kind of a cool announcement here coming up in a few minutes something we did a year ago that we're actually bringing back this year that i'm really really excited about we'll tell you about all that coming up let's think about 15 years here for a moment like the last 15 years you know let's say 12 years 13 years but you know just 15 to kind of keep it nice and clean in the life of a georgia donor now, when you close your eyes, if you're if you're not yourself a Georgia donor, and you picture what a Georgia donor looks like, you sort of picture like the guy on the on the cover of the Monopoly box with like the tuxedo and the monocle, and like you know just hundred dollar bills just spilling out of his pockets. Uh, like I know that's the picture we get when we think of like college football booster. You think of like the Yellowwood guy from Auburn or something like that. But the average Georgia booster, even somebody who's given what you and I would describe as a pretty big sum of money. The average Georgia booster is just a small business owner. It's a, it's a, it's a builder. It's a HVAC technician. It's a CPA. It's an attorney. You know, it's someone who's running a small business, making a good good living, but running a small business. And here's what the life of a lot of those guys and gals have kind of looked like over the course of the last 15 years. Like I know, if you want to go back to remember when the economy was like really terrible, like circa 2009, housing market crash, things like that. Well, if you're like in a decent position in 2009 or 2010, around that time, like giving to Georgia tanked, right? You would understand why it would because the economy was terrible. So when the giving tanked, if you were in an okay position, if you didn't lose your job or if your business was still doing okay, if you were in a business that was somewhat unaffected by the horrible economy that was in place around that 2009, 2010 timeframe, there were a lot of people who got very aggressive 
in giving to Georgia because they had a chance to climb the ladder in terms of like the points you always hear people talking about, the points that give you the access to buy the better tickets. People were able to like accrue a lot of points very quickly because in comparison to others who were not able to give as much because the economy was terrible, um, a lot of people were giving a lot. Well, then lo and behold, you get to like the what, you know, think about 2016, 2017, 2018, the economy is doing really well. All of a sudden, those same people who had given a lot, you know, eight, nine years ago, now they're giving a lot again because, hey, the economy is actually doing well now and you're able to give, you know, kind of even more money. So you got a lot of people around UGA who over the course of the last 15 years who've been actually giving a lot of money. And now we're entering into a situation where I mean, inflation, I mean, all that stuff you hear people talking about on the news, we're not going to get into here. And like some of these folks are like, I'm not quite so sure how much I can give going forward the way I've given in the past. And all of a sudden there's this new category of giving I'm supposed to participate in there as well. And listen, I'm a UGA guy. I hope people support Georgia. I hope they support them by going to games, cheering for them, but also giving financially. I mean, I'm a Georgia partisan. I want folks to support UGA. But I also know a lot of these donors who are supposed to be footing the bill for all this NIL stuff. And in the sort of uncertain economic climate that we're in, I'm not quite so sure how much digger they're supposed to be able to dig, uh, uh, deeper they're supposed to be able to dig. I'm just not quite so sure how they're supposed to be able to do that. And that's just kind of reality on some of this kind of stuff. Now, I also continue to believe that a lot of what you've heard, fatalistic NIL stuff of so-and-so getting millions of dollars, I've told you before, I think that's an exaggerated claim and there's no proof any of that's coming true. In fact, some of the stuff that I warned you that would be true, there's actually more proof of that than the, op- the opposite. I told you before, we're going to have situations where Players are supposedly promised so much money they're going to get to on campus. They're not going to get it. There are rumors that may have happened with Jordan Addison at USC already. I predicted that would be the case. seems like there's a pretty good chance that's already the case. So take comfort in the idea that some of the stuff related to NIL is maybe not quite as hysterical as you've been told that it is. But on the other side, when it comes to asking people who've already given a lot to give more, and it's somehow their fault if Georgia doesn't get a recruit, that's not a narrative I can buy into, but that's a different topic for a different day. For now, let's cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And let me tell you right now, <laughs> this would be a very good time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship just to kind of put some of the worries of this world behind you and enjoy those Caribbean breezes, those beautiful ports of call, the great destination that is the ship itself. Found out that I'm going to get a chance to maybe even sneak away on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship for a couple of days, maybe even coming up in December when the season's done, or at least after the SEC championship, looking ahead to the college football playoff to take a little bit of a breather on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Boy, nothing better for me than that. Give me something to look forward to as we have a really fun season around here. And you can do the same thing there as well. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you out with that. You can find them online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. Get going on your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation uh, here right now as you head towards the end of 2022. Fall's a great time to be on a ship, or especially off week for Georgia, things like that. Or start thinking about early 2023. I've got a great cruise I'm taking in uh, February. Uh, it's just going to be a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship here as we head through throughout the rest of 2022 and into 2023. Make sure you check that out. All right, couple of SEC through topics for us here, and then I've got a fun announcement I want to make for you. SEC Media Days does kick off today. I'm actually heading over to the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days as soon as our show is done here today. LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, kind of get things going there a little bit. Here's what I'm sort of interested to hear from today. Like, I wonder how much Eli Drinkwitz, the um, the Missouri coach, I'm curious to hear how much he talks about um, how much you know, how much he talks about like Luther Burden, the wide receiver that George was kind of battling for a year ago that Missouri kind of won with and sort of thought to be a little bit of a, you know, kind of a sort of a home state type pull that led him to go to the Tigers. How much is how much is burden discussed today at SEC Media Days for a Tigers team that probably has a chance to be pretty fun on offense? Eli Drinkwitz teams typically are, have not been very good defensively. I don't think that uh, Missouri's a very good team overall, but Burden's kind of one of those guys that got away from Georgia in the previous cycle. Does he come up at all in terms of uh, Drinkwitz's time with the media here today? Uh, I'm also interested to see what old Mrs. Lane Kiffin brings to the table. 
You know, to me, Kiffin's sort of the classic example of a keyboard warrior. Like, he's never quite as interesting in public like this as he is on Twitter. The snarky things that come from Kiffin almost always come typing on a keyboard or using his thumbs on a phone, never quite coming in a public setting like this. He's, he just is not as good in the press conference arena as you think that he might be. But he'll obviously be asked a lot of questions today, and I'm curious of those questions. How many of those questions are about him and his team and how many of those questions are sort of about the big picture topics that he's sort of always weighing in on? You know, Kiffin almost ends up acting on social media more like a pundit for the sport than he does a coach trying to win as much as he can at Ole Miss. I mean, obviously, there is a clear personality the Rebels have taken on. They are the team that's going to lean heavily in the recruiting portal. Uh, Jackson Dart, Zach Evans, an example of that for the upcoming season. But I think a lot of folks always expect a lot from Kiffin in an environment like this, and I just don't think he delivers as much as you might think. I also think one of the stories around SEC Media Days, we've probably paid as little attention to as you could have ever guessed would be the case, is the arrival of Brian Kelly. Kelly has his moment at SEC Media Days today, one of the real pivotal figures in college football, previously the head coach at um, one of the flagships in the entire sport, and now he's in the SEC. This would have been unforeseeable uh, a couple of years ago, but now it's the case. And I'm sort of curious to see you know, what, what Kelly looks like, what he feels like here at SEC Media Days. How much is he grilled on the way in which he left Notre Dame? A lot of national folks didn't seem to like that. This is a guy who in a home-and-home loss to Georgia or a couple of postseason loss to Alabama has not fared well against SEC competition. And now, once you get into the heart of the season, that's what Kelly has to face each and every week. You know, is he going to be comfortable here in the SEC? That, to me, is sort of an interesting topic today. And then, of course, Greg Sankey around noon will kick all of this off. And, you know, Sankey's going to set the tone for the entire week. And I think what's going to be interesting about the commissioner today when he speaks uh, and by the time you hear me, many of you will have already been aware of Greg Sankey at SEC Media Days, for those of you who are trying to follow this. I think what's going to be interesting is what he doesn't say. You know, at one point in time, there was a lot of chatter about the expanded schedule or the change in schedule or the con- or the playoff expansion or even league expansion. All of these topics have been sort of kicked around and discussed, but right now there is so little resolution on any of those issues for the moment that I think that the issue for Sankey is how do you dance around that today without actually getting into that very much. I think that's probably probably going to be the task for him, both in terms of his podium moment when he speaks to all the media and then when he kind of pops on the various shows from Radio Row and things like that after that. He's going to be asked a lot of those kinds of questions. But for the, for the moment here in the SEC, there are just very few answers to give on that. So we'll see how that goes. But Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, Eli Drinkwitz, they get us started day one of SEC Media Days going on just down the road from me at the College Football Hall of Fame here this week. The Georgia Bulldogs, of course, will be there on Wednesday, and certainly Kirby Smart will have a lot to say as the head coach of the national champions. That is coming out then. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, I want to give you a special announcement here for a moment because this is something that we did a year ago was super fun. Everybody seemed to really like it. And we're going to come back and do that again today. And I'm just really, really excited about all of this. It's our five-star kids from our friends at Kroger. This is just an outstanding chance to honor uh, with school getting ready to start some of those uh, kids who in our audience who are just doing great things. And last year, we had so much fun celebrating some of the great stories in our audience. A chance to come back and do that again this year after the success of what we did a year ago. So partnering with Kroger again, you can send your email to info at dognation.com, info at dognation.com. Let us know why your son or daughter or just some kid that you know in your neighborhood, your community, whatever else, why they should be honored as a five-star kid. We're going to select five random winners after that. And then we're going to start announcing those winners the week of August 1st. Now, each of our Kroger five-star kid winners is going to receive a Kroger gift card uh, pack worth $250 and a Dog Nation shirt there as well. So this is just an extraordinary giveaway. I'm really excited about it. You can go to dognation.com. You can find out more details related to this. But our uh, Kroger five-star kid giveaway beginning, you can uh, uh, send us info about a nominee to the email address info at dognation.com, and we'll start announcing our winners coming up on August the 1st. Let me also give you some news that relates to the Georgia Bulldogs here too. Connor Riley's story up at this at dognation.com, UGA Sports from Rivals and uh, uh, 24-7 Sports, I believe, also reporting on this there as well. 
that Georgia, he's been kind of a defensive lineman and outside linebacker, Marlon Dean in the class of 2021, no longer with UGA, apparently. One of the things that we thought we knew was there was a little bit of a scholarship crunch around Georgia and somehow getting sort of underneath that 85 scholarship threshold was going to be a need for the dogs. There probably wasn't as much movement prior to May 1st for UGA as you might would have expected. So maybe the latest domino to fall on that right now is the fact that Marlon Dean, a guy who outside linebacker, defensive line, you can kind of call him what you want there on that, but kind of stepping away no longer with the uh, Georgia program, according to some reports there from uh, 24-7 and Rivals. You can read more about that online at dognation.com there as well. One more thing to tell you about kind of cool before we uh, let you go here today is that I know the story about, listen, you get busy, things happen in life, you have setbacks, you have whatever else, and sometimes life can kind of get in the way of maybe a goal that you have, a mission that you're on, something you have in mind, and for some of you, those may be finishing high school, but let me tell you this, it's not too late to go back and do what you know you need to do. My friends from the Technical College System of Georgia can help you out there. they got a couple of great programs I want to make sure you're aware of. And it's actually never been easier to go back and get your GED, get that uh, uh, that high school equivalency diploma, and really set yourself up for a much more rewarding career, much happier life because you do that. Uh, you can take the GED test or the high set exam, and you can kind of pick whichever one sort of fits your testing style, what's good for you. You can take the uh, test uh, weekdays, weekends, online, in person, lots of different choices for you there on that. You can also take some free class to help prepare you for this, which I would probably recommend you do. Just kind of get acquainted with what's going to be on the test and kind of sort of just sort of get comfortable again with all of that. All of that there for you from our friends at the Technical College System of Georgia. And the tests are also free for those who qualify there as well. So this is a great program. Our friends at the Technical College System of Georgia making all this possible. You can check out more of this online at itsgotimegeorgia.com. That's the word Georgia spelled out. Itsgotimegeorgia.com. And you can learn a lot more about that. As we say goodbye to you here today, let me give you a couple of golden shoes. And obviously, the Justice Haynes news had everybody a little down today, but we'll see if we can end on a high note here. Obviously, celebrating a little bit of what happens on Saturday with four-star linebacker Troy Bowles in the fold there for UGA. Our buddy Mad Dog, who's always so good, gives you kind of the popular uh, SpongeBob SquarePants meme here. Uh, with SpongeBob kind of bowing down to the guru, he calls him Glenn Schumann, linebackers coach. Mad Dog saying, Dog friends, praise Glenn Schumann as a recruiter as well as a brilliant defensive mind. That is indeed the case. Well-earned praise for Schumann and good stuff there from our buddy the Mad Dog. Uh, also, our buddy Georgia on top sharing this with me from uh, Big Salt Dog on Twitter saying, uh, the Kirby Smart, <laughs> he says, do not disturb uh, Gator fans crying in progress. Another in-state recruit getting away from the Gators on Saturday with Troy Bowles. That's good stuff from uh, Big Salt Dog, and thanks to George on tap for sharing that with me. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, about 4,939 days since they have won a national championship. And a Gator hitter countdown. Dogs back in Jacksonville getting another win there. 103 days from right now. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for being here. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We will see you again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Take a couple of your comments. They've been coming into me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. And let me give you see, give you a little bit of a taste of what the response has been to some of the Haynes news here. Obviously, Justice going to Alabama. Uh, Anthony White called it shocking, and most Georgia fans kind of feel the same way. But there are people like Justin Sisk who says, Kirby better swallow the BS and get on the NIL train. Mindful Manna gives you the gif of uh, Rod Tidwell from uh, Jerry Maguire saying, show me the money. You have other folks kind of mention the NIL thing there as well. It's uh, bread, but dogs are national champions. That's the, the username. Says that he is on the NIL train, just so happens to sit in the same car as uh, uh, Bama and Saban. Um, other folks kind of mention the NIL part of this there as well. Maybe it's the case. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe that's why Justice Haynes going to Alabama. But as I said on the regular show today, some of the circumstantial evidence would give me pause on just sort of saying it's all about that, just given the fact that Alabama has not known to be, you know, a dominant player in NIL themselves and have kind of missed on some prospects this cycle, presumably for that very reason. But that's kind of what uh, out there. Kelly uh, Kelby Holbrook says this one hurts B.A. and 
yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not the kind of failure that's final, but it is a setback. It is a loss. George took a loss yesterday uh, when it comes to this. Uh, Jan Austin checks in to say, we win championships with defense, not going to cry over an offensive skill guy. Had it been an offensive lineman, that would have been a different story. So there you go on that. Uh, Realtor Dog says, I had a bad feeling it was going to go that way. Got to get a good win this cycle, and uh, the pickings are starting to get a little slim. Yeah, that's kind of the, the issue that you face here is – that you know a lot of work has already been done by other programs with other running backs and for now george is gonna have to make up some ground kind of pretty quickly when it comes to that colin brown says certainly not good news but with all the flipping that goes on closer to signing day we surely are still in it right yeah i mean obviously you got to assume that georgia maintains contact there um i don't know how realistic it would be to flip away Haynes from Alabama I, I don't know that but certainly George is going to try and if something happens if anybody's capable of it obviously George would be as capable of that as anybody Bubby Dean says we only want dogs that want to be dogs that's a common sentiment um, also uh, 7L Florida and Marie Holmes also mentioned the possibility of kind of baseball on this that that maybe Alabama's more willing to embrace Justice Haynes as a baseball player. Maybe that's the case. I, I don't know that to be true. I mean, certainly Kirby wants him to be all in on football. you got to presume that. Uh, does Alabama have a higher tolerance for that? Does Justice Haynes even want to play baseball in college? I, I, I don't. I guess I just don't know about that necessarily. Uh, ABC Chiropractic also mentioning this too. Jeffrey Wright says, I didn't see this coming, and that was, I think, largely viewed to be a pretty big surprise. So, so there you go. Justice Haynes makes the surprising decision. Georgia figures out where to go next and obviously has a chance to win some recruiting battles over the course of the next couple of days. And certainly put this in the rearview mirror. Starting with Jamal Jarrett on Tuesday and, of course, Janelle Aguero, the five-star safety. That decision coming up on Saturday. So we're here to cover it all for you. SEC Media Days here this week. Dogs on Wednesday there. All the recruiting news in and around that. So thank you for being with us here today. I uh, appreciate you being a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, and we will see you back here again tomorrow.